The problem is that most of the time, if we're not following a system, then the salesperson gets more emotional than the prospect. And as soon as the salesperson becomes emotional, they lose all objectivity and they throw everything out the window and they end up losing control. And control is everything in business, as you know, right? You got to have at least 50% or you're done. This is Outside Sales Talk, the best podcast for outside salespeople. I'm your host, Steve Benson. And we're here to chat with the world's top sales experts so that you can get their best sales tactics to level up your game. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I've got Walker McKay with us, and we're going to talk about why you need a sales system. Walker, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. I'm so glad to be here. It's a great show. It's an honor to be on it. Great to have you here. Uh, and, And just by way of introduction... Walker is the principal and founder of McKay Consulting Group. He's also the president of No BS Sales School, which is also, they have a great podcast worth listening to and learning from. Let's jump into it. Walker, tell me, in your own words, what is a sales system? Uh, Thank you. Sales system is kind of a passion of mine. Um, I was taught early on in my career Uh, or I don't know if I was taught specifically, but I was led to believe that sales was a personality. And either you had a sales personality or you didn't have a sales personality. And I was taught that, you know, the way that you, well, the reason I got in sales, like a lot of people, a lot of folks said, hey, Walker, you can talk to anybody. You should go into sales. Hey, you've got lots of friends. You should go into sales, which based upon those two criteria is terrible advice. Right. And so I spent my first nine or 10 years uh, in the sales business. I was in banking and then in commercial real estate, trying to be charming and everybody's buddy. And I was mediocre at best in my results. And I ended up meeting a coach who talked to me about a sales system. And all of a sudden, when I had a process to follow and something that I could hone and refine, I was like, holy cow, this makes all the difference in the world. And I don't have to work so damn hard to be charming all the time, which was a lot of work. Does that absolutely. make sense? Yeah, a- absolutely. I think that's a that's a common misconception that that a lot of people have. Um, tell me why why would a sales team need a sales system, and what would they get out of it? Yeah, great question. It's um, so what a sales system is. It's a process that you follow, right? So in my world, we have seven different steps of our sales system. Everything from what do you do before the sales call. How do you begin the sales call? How do you qualify or disqualify your prospect all the way to once you close, how do you make sure you don't lose the sale? Um, Some people, and and there's a difference, right, between like a sales script where somebody says, here are the words that you use. I really don't believe in that. Um, I think when you use a script, you sound scripted. Um, My What I try and show people is there are different processes you got to go through, different information you've got to get. And until you get that, um, you do not have permission to, to move forward to give the prospect your information. So um, a sales team might like a sale, might like to use a sales process, number one, so they can quit wasting time with people who weren't going to buy in the first place. A sales manager would want it and an owner would want a sales process so that when their sales guy comes back to him and says, hey, boss, I got one, we all know what that means. Because sometimes, hey, boss, I got one means I got a meeting. They took my phone call or I got an order or something else. But this is now we all know what it is. And then when somebody comes back and says, man, I didn't get the sale, we can go back through the process and say, okay, here's where you missed. 
Because if we're just talking about a personality, you say to somebody, you got to improve your personality to make this work better. Shit, how do you do that? I've so, been trying to improve my personality for years. It really hasn't worked, frankly. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. And thank God it's just not about pleasant personalities to sell. Yeah. So but that's that's good news for me. I'm one cantankerous son of a bitch. So <laughs> me too. <laughs> so me too. Uh, so can you share more insights on what goes into creating a sales system? Like how do you how do you build a sales system? Yeah. What kinds so, of processes are in a sales system? That's that's a great uh, a great question. And so one of the things that I have done um, over the past bunch of years is I created like a sales system template, right? One that can, in general, can work in anything from, work with any group from accountants and lawyers selling their service to people that sell heavy equipment to software, right? So, so I've got the general building blocks. And then from there, when we work with a client or you work with your consultant, if you have a template for the sales process, then you can refine it and make it yours. So, for example, um, I have a client and they sell heavy equipment. They sell this earth-moving dirt equipment, right? And so they are selling to um, contractors that right now are scrambling to find equipment. And my guys are scrambling to get the equipment to sell to them. So one of the most important things that they have to do when they, um, so if they have 10 pieces of equipment on their property for sale and they've got 35 people that are trying to buy it, it's a good place to be in many ways. However, if somebody can't qualify for financing, we need to not waste a whole lot of time with them. If somebody is not, can't make a decision yes or no today, we don't need to mess with them. If somebody is, you know, doesn't need this for six months, we don't need to mess with them. So, Part of having a sales process is to be able to screen out on the front end, is this person, are they ready to buy? Are they able to buy? Does it make sense for us to spend time with them? Can they pay our price? One of the things, one of the mindsets I tell people that's important, I think, in, in a process is you as a salesperson, we as a salesperson can be absolutely certain we can help the person we're talking to. We can be sure that we're the right fit and the best shot these guys have. However, comma, but they may not be ready for us yet. And so part of my discovery process is, sure, you've got a billion dollars. Sure, you say you want this, but are you willing to do it my way? Right. A lot of times people want to buy, they want to go get three bids, right? They're going to pick the cheapest. If that's the case, I don't want my, I don't take anybody that wants to be cheapest. They're not going to be good clients of mine. If you're just selling cheapest, I believe you'll be replaced by AI very soon. I don't think that's selling anymore. Right. So what I believe is that we need to have a process to follow that allows us to have equal business stature, which means we've got just as much right, just as much ability to tell the prospect, I don't think we're the right fit, as the prospect has to tell us, I don't think I wanna buy from you, right? And so having a system that we follow, honestly will disqualify the prospect or, or qualify them just by following the process. What I think screws salespeople up among other things is they let their emotions get involved in a sale. And sometimes they will want, the, the sales guy 
will want and will act like they want the sale more than the more than the buyer does. We all know if you think about the psychology of sales, right? The your um, people make emotional decisions. They make decisions emotionally to buy. I don't give a shit what people say. Oh, I do all my research. Bullshit. They make emotional decisions. They make decisions emotionally, and then they justify it intellectually. The problem is that most of the time, if we're not following a system, then the salesperson gets more emotional than the prospect. And as soon as the salesperson becomes emotional, they lose all objectivity and they throw everything out the window and they end up losing control. And control is everything in business, as you know, right? You got to have at least 50% or you're done. So part of following the process is you keep your emotions out. You let the system do the work. You let the, the sales process do the work of qualifying or disqualifying. And if they're the right fit, good. Then the right thing happens. If they're not the right fit, in my mind, the right thing happens again. We get a no. And I'd rather have a no quickly at the end of the first meeting or the second meeting than after the 19th. Absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, I think on a whole, people always underestimate the importance of, of great qualification. And I think that's such yes. an important piece of a, of a sales system. Um, I like to even think of it as disqualification. I think when you call it qualifying, you're adding hope and you're trying to qualify. And reality is it may not be ready to be qualified. I actually would look to try to disqualify people. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think having the idea that, I mean, how many people now that you call on it at buying? Probably 10%. From the beginning, from first phone call through, maybe 10%. So if you knew nine out of 10 weren't going to buy, wouldn't you want to rush to get to those nine so you can get to the one? Makes perfect sense to me. And uh, I guess how many um, steps would you say are in a sales system? So in my sales system, there's seven. What, what are those seven steps? Sure. So the first step is we call it pre-call plan right? Which is taking five minutes before your sales call. And you think, and you've got a little form we fill out, right? And the first step is, who are you meeting with? When are you meeting with them? And why are you meeting with them? Do you know, right? Spend some time thinking. Most salespeople, after they set the appointment, spend zero time thinking about what's going to happen next. Other parts of the pre-call plan are, what's an ideal outcome from this sales call? What's the best thing we could possibly expect to happen? I think we need to know what that is. A lot of times, our sales cycles are long because we let them be long, because we expect them to be long. But I want us to think in terms of if this person fully trusted me and needed my help, they could sign a contract today. And that can happen for almost anything if they fully trusted you, right? What are the questions you need to ask? What are the things you're big at, you're most afraid of? Have that stuff down on paper before you start. So that's step one. Step two, when you get to the meeting is to manage expectations. Have you and your prospect be on the same page? Because we know the prospect has an idea of how they'd like to buy. And typically that's an unspoken way. I know what the way is, but the, it's an unspoken way. And if we don't negotiate a different way, then they're going to have all the control. Can I interrupt you for a second? Can I interrupt myself for a second? Absolutely. I think more important, before we cover what the selling system looks like, I want to show you or, or kind of walk you through what the buyer's process typically is. Yeah, absolutely. That's Why okay. we, need, we need a sales process because your prospects all have one and they use it against us 
constantly. And if we don't understand their process and have something to get equal stature, then we're going to lose every time. When I say lose, maybe we make a sale, but we're beating our brains out. So the prospect has four steps in their system, right? So the first step in the prospect system, when we reach out to them and talk, either they call us or we call them, doesn't matter. The first step is to share as little information as possible and to ask us about price. Hey, I'm interested in your software. How much does it cost? Hey, I want to talk to you about this. How much does it cost? Right? That's the first thing because my, my belief is they don't know how to buy. Right? And the only thing that they know how to compare is price. So the first thing out of their mind is, hey, how much is this? If we make it through the first step, if they don't go, oh, my God, and hang up, then the second step of their process, right, often they invite us in. If it's outside sales, invite us to come in, right? And um, they ask us a bunch of questions, get a whole lot of information, often nice to us, right, giving us all the, you know, smiling and head nodding and all that kind of stuff. I call this getting free consulting, right? They tell us about the problems they have, what they're trying to fix. Here's what we're trying to do. And then they ask, hey, how would you fix that? How much does that cost? What does this look like? How would you do that? Can you put that in writing? Right? So at that point, salesperson's like, oh my God, they love me. They gave me buying signals. By the way, the only real buying signal in my mind is when somebody writes you a check or signs your PO. Everything other than that is a bullshit. Sorry. Right? There's no buying signals other than writing a check or signing a PO. So, oh, and so, but the salesperson gets excited because finally somebody wants to talk to them. Finally, they get to share their expertise. They talk, blah, 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 blah. Maybe they ask a few questions, but usually it's just blah, 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 blah. They go put it in writing. They get excited about it. They send it in. The third step in the buyer's process is they say nice things and get rid of you. That's what this sounds like. Hey, looks really good. Thank you so much. Appreciate what you're doing. Love what you guys have going on over there. Apples to apples, all things being equal, can't see any reason why we wouldn't give you guys a good shot next time or wouldn't do some business with you or whatever the hell they say, right? How about call me in a week? My partner's in Europe for a week. Why don't you, can you call me back at the end of the month? We're very interested. I need to think about it. Right? Stay nice things, get rid of you. Most of the time, salespeople are prepared to overcome those objections. Man, we are trained, trained, trained. Guess what? Prospects know that. They don't want to wrestle with a sales guy. They don't want their damn objections overcome. So instead of giving us objections, they say, hey, let me think it over. Let me sleep on it. Why don't you call me in a week? Call me in two weeks. Get back to me then. Blah, blah, blah. And we're like, hell yeah, we got it. Step one, share a little information ask about price. Step two, get free consulting. Step three, say nice things, get rid of you. Step four, we now, we've gotten all the buying signals in the world. We're very excited. They said nice things. And they said, call us back in a week. Let's pretend that's a Friday. So we say, hell yeah, I'm going to call them on Friday. And we don't want to call first thing in the morning because then we'd seem too eager. Of course, we don't want to wait till the afternoon either because they might be gone. So somewhere around 1130, salespeople always follow up. They call back then because that's the perfect time. If you know anybody that works at the phone company, they'll show you that phone lines spike during that time, because that's when all salespeople call back. So we call back, and we're doing exactly what we're taught. We're doing what we, they told us to do. Told us to call back, we're calling back. 
this person, right? They've had your information for a week or so. What might they have done with it? Hmm, think they know anybody else who sells what you sell? Or somebody that says they do? Absolutely, they do, right? So maybe they've taken your information and taken their current guy who they're buying from and said, hey, Walker came by and talked to me. He said they've got this cool thing that's better and they can do this, this, and this. Can you do that? Now, what do you think the competitor says? Hell yeah, I can, even though they can't. Your buyer also has probably told their current guy, they say they can do it for $8. You told them 12. Can you do that? And their current guy probably says, no, because they don't want to lose the quote relationship, right? Or they've taken your stuff, gone on Google, looked it all over, looked up and down, tried to figure it out, maybe gone somewhere else. But chances are they've gone somewhere else, right? So now you call because they told you to. And they see you calling on their cell phone. Everybody's got caller ID now. And they say, oh, my gosh, it's Walker calling. Oh, he's a nice guy, but I'm not going to buy from him. I don't want to have this conversation. I don't want to argue with him. I don't want my, my objections overcome. So I'm going to send him to voicemail. So I got a voicemail. And I'm saying, oh, okay. Hey, John, uh, you told me to call you back today. Just called to see if you had any uh, questions. Look forward to talking to you. Click. My heart dies a little bit. So I call back on Monday or Tuesday. And I say, hey, I call back again. John sees me calling and goes, oh, my God, it's him again. I don't want to talk to him. Don't want to hurt his feelings. Voicemail. I go, hey, John, uh, this is Walker. Just call to see if you have any uh, questions. I'm looking forward to talking to you, getting this deal done. Heart dies a little bit more. So I call back a couple days later. I'm kind of pissed, right? But I'm being persistent, just like I was told to be. Be persistent. Don't give up. So I call back a third time. And I say, hey, John, I hadn't heard back from you. Um, we're, we're actually might be having a sale or maybe some things that we could work on there. Um, how about let me know? I'm, I'm happy to, uh, let, let's just talk. Click. So now, meanwhile, your prospect has gotten three calls from you. He's not going to buy. The third time you called, he looked at his phone and went, God dang, when's that guy going to get a freaking clue? Leave me alone. Is that building the kind of relationships we want to build? Hell no, it's not. So by the way, as I mentioned that four-step process, have you ever done that to somebody else? Have you? Have I? Um, yeah, have you? No, you know, I try to be very transparent with salespeople. I try to, uh, you know, I think especially because my background's in sales, I, I've always tried to be honest and forthright and kind of uh, not string them along. Yeah, that being said, I mean, if, if you are evaluating free vendors, which, you know, or, or six or two, I mean, yep. you know, there's going to be winners and losers. So to some yeah. degree, yeah, I, I try to let people know and, and I'll, I'll even give them the information too. I'll, I'll, I'll say, hey, we're going with this vendor and it's because of this, this and this. Yep. And, uh, you know, that, that's kind of how, how the decision was made. Because I like to be super transparent yep. for the salesperson, I've for watched, the company and for everybody else. I watched my mother do this to somebody. My mom was 80 years old. She wanted somebody to help to paint the outside of her house. She called three contractors because there's some kind of a rule. You got to call three, right? Calls three. Each one of them, she's nice to. Each one, she says, oh, this is great. I'll get back to you in a couple of days. And she picked one. Didn't pick the other two. The other two call back. And my mom's like, I don't want to really talk to them because I don't want to hurt their feelings. I'm like, how did my mother learn that? It's what people do. They have seen us sell. Right. They've seen the old way of selling, which is meet them, greet them, propose them, close them. And so people are smart. This is what they've developed to keep control. So we've got to do something different than that. Otherwise, 
we're going to fall in the same trap. I try and do the same thing. I tell salespeople, look, I am not a good prospect for you. I have gone a different direction. You won't believe it. Sometimes they don't freaking listen because they're taught to be persistent. What I tell people is persistence, meaning calling the same person over and over again until they buy, that's stalking. I want you to be persistent in trying to find new opportunities, new people who can buy from you. So, I, right? so I that's where the word is not a stalking is not a part of your sales process. That's not one of the seven <laughs> no. steps. No, hell no. <laughs> I think that's the worst. <laughs> I, but I mean, I remember. Could be a title to a book from you though, like the eight <laughs> steps stalking. <laughs> stalking. But you know, I have been that young sales guy. There's a guy that wouldn't call me back, and I said, "I'm going to call him every day until he calls me back." I mean, wow, that's a great way to build a relationship. And it, it didn't work, by the way. It never does. But that's what some people believe is sales. And that drives me crazy. So the reason we have to have our own sales system is because otherwise we're going to fall victim to that other four-step system. And my guess is some of your audience, if not the majority of your audience, maybe they have done that to somebody else. I'm sure that they can say they know it's been done to them. Maybe not every time, but a fair amount of times. So what I want to do is level the playing field. I want things to be equal between us. If we follow the prospect system, they hold all the cards. They're 100% in control. No, that, that shouldn't be a rule, right? We, should, we are equal. We should have 50% control as salespeople. If we had 51, it'd be really easy. Give me your money, right? But since we only have 50% control, that's the most we can expect, then I want to at least set up the rules so I can win. And I, and I use this example, when you manage expectations at the beginning of a meeting, let's pretend you're a new kid in the neighborhood, didn't know anybody, wanted to go make friends, right? So you get on your little bike, you ride around, you see a bunch of kids playing in the yard, and they're playing a game, and you kind of stand by hoping they're going to invite you in. So they invite you in. You don't know what the hell game they're playing. And they say to you, okay, here are the rules. The us 20 are on one team, you're on the other team. If for us to score a point, we've got to move the ball a foot. For you to score a point, you've got to go a mile without anybody touching you. If we win and you lose, we get your bike. You want to play? What would you say? Hell no. Same is true. We walk into a sales call and don't understand the rules of the game. What is really happening here? So what I want to do, and I believe that sales is all about the prospect and not about the salesperson. I just want to understand the rules, right? So we go to set up rules. Number one, I ask, how much time do you have for this meeting? So shows I respect their time, and I want to make sure I know, right? And then I ask him, what were you hoping we could talk about today to make this good use of time? Who were you hoping we could talk about today? Because I want to hear what their agenda might be. The third thing is I'm going to get permission to ask the questions I want to ask. Hey, listen, I'd like to find out kind of where you are versus where you want to be. I want to talk about the money. I want to talk about how you make a decision. Maybe there are a number of things, right? Because have you ever been on a sales call where you ask somebody, hey, what's your budget or how much you spend on that? They go, I'm not telling you that. If that's going to be a problem, I want to know about it now. So I want to get permission to ask these questions. The next thing I'm going to do is get permission to tell them no. If I get the feeling I can't help you, do you mind if I'm just straight with you and tell you so? I don't want them to be surprised. And then I'm going to give them permission to tell me no too. Hey, if you're not convinced this is the right thing, I want you to tell me no too. You won't hurt my feelings. I won't try and change your mind. Now, 
here's the thing. Your prospects know they can tell you no already. Anybody can tell you no. However, at least in the South, people would rather say, let me think about it. Why don't you call me later? Call me in a week instead of actually saying no when they have no intention. So I just want to make it clear. You, please tell me no. I won't try and change your mind. And then we're going to define, on the other hand, maybe we do figure out it's the right thing. Maybe you do like what I have. Maybe I do think it's the right thing. Typically, at the end of a call like this, if we do, we're deciding whether or not it makes sense to sign a contract or do whatever. I might suggest my ideal outcome, right? Sign a contract. Would you be okay at the end of this meeting if you were completely comfortable, if you thought it was the right thing, and if I thought it was the right thing, would you be okay saying, yeah, let's sign a contract? They think, no, that's okay. Other times we just decide to have another meeting, whatever that is. So, and everybody's like, oh, that won't work in my business. Nobody would do that. You're right. If you never try it, it won't work. <laughs> All I'm trying to do is level the playing field, right? Can we do this? We come to a decision at the beginning of the meeting, what we're deciding yes or no on. I believe all sales calls need to end with a yes or no to something. So, um, and I know I'm digging into detail here, but I think this is so important when we're managing expectations. Part of our process is making sure we're all playing on the same team, all playing by the same set of rules. So we decide what yes would look like, and then we get give each other permission to say yes at the end of the meeting too. We all know what that is. Anything less than us deciding that's a great step to take, let's just call it a no. What we're doing is giving the person we're talking to agency. I'm not, most salespeople push for a yes. I think that's bullshit. I think, I think it's because sometimes yes isn't the right choice. As soon as you start putting pressure on people, they're going to back up. What I ask people for is a decision, yes or no, to whatever it was we agreed to at the beginning. No is my second favorite word. I hear it all the time. I'm fine with no's. I'd rather tell me, somebody tell me no at the end of the first meeting than at the end of the ninth meeting, right? Like I said before. So, after we establish the rules of the game, then I move, we move to the next step, which is to understand your prospect situation, which in my world means you go and try and see what problems will they, do they admit to. Do they have any problems? Is there anything that's a problem with their existing way they're doing things now? We've got a series of about 10 different questioning strategies we could use to help figure out. If they figure out, ain't no problem, everything's really fine, we don't have any problems at all, we're all good, then we can end the sales call right there. No reason to keep going. But however, if they, if they say, yeah, here's a problem, right? The next step is to, now we move into the next phase of my system, which is discover, disqualify, which I want to find out if that problem, if there's an emotional, compelling reason why they need to fix the problem, right? So there are a couple of steps here. Number one is what's the problem? Number two, what are the consequences of the problem? And then number three, what are the impacts on that person of the problem? How does it impact them personally? What I found is if a problem doesn't impact somebody personally, they're probably not going to make it a priority to fix. We call that, this is an overused term in sales, I think it's not done well, it's called pain, right? A personal compelling reason why somebody has to change. I met with a guy about eight years ago, and we figured out that he had a million-dollar problem. So it was costing his company a million dollars a year, but it wasn't pain. You know why? Because I said, is that a big deal? And he said, not to me, not on my PL. 
boom, how much time could I have wasted trying to sell him something there's no way he was going to buy? So we find out that there is pain. Then we find out how much money, time, effort, resources they'd be ready and willing to spend to fix that. How much money, time, resources? Because it's not just money. People are like, oh, they got a budget. They got a billion dollars. They can fix it but not unless they're ready to fix it, right? And sometimes it's not just money. It's can they pull people off one project to another? Are they willing to, right? Are they willing to take the time to do what it takes to fix it? Maybe they can't right now. After that, we find out what's their decision-making process. When were you hoping to fix it? Why then? Who else needs to be involved? What would you need to see or hear from us? Who else are you talking to? I want to know all those things. And if they say, well, we're not going to fix this for two more years, what I can recognize is, you know what? There's no reason to give a proposal right now. Why in the world would I do that? Things are going to change in the next two years. Right. Or if they say, well, I need to talk to, uh, I need to get Jim and John and Susan involved. Well, hey, let's do this. Let's get them involved in this conversation. Because what they're looking for, your leverage is your information, is your proposal. And as soon as you give your information away, you got no leverage left. So what I want to make sure we do is get the information we need before I give my leverage away. So let's pretend, though, they do find out we've got pain, budget, and decision. And that, that matches what I want to do, and it's okay. Then I move on to the next step, which in my world is closing. In my world, we close before we present. Closing means we're basically reconfirming that if I show them something that they like, that makes sense for them, that they're comfortable work, that they're still comfortable telling me yes or no. That's the close. If I can get them to tell me, Yes, yes, Walker, if you show me something that I like and I get all my questions answered, I can tell you yes or no to what we agreed to, agreed to do before. After I've got that agreed to, then we move on to presenting, where I show them how we can solve their pain. The only thing I show in my presentation is how what I sell can solve their pain. At that point, I do what's called a, um, it's called a thermometer, which is Probably the cheesiest thing that I, it sounds like the cheesiest thing that I do, but I find it highly effective where you ask somebody after I've gone over a couple of things and said, here's how we'd fix it. I'm going to ask, hey, on a scale of one to 10, where one is you wish you'd never met me and that you're complete, I re, you realize I'm completely wasting your time. And 10 is you wish I'd shut the hell up so we could get started fixing your problem. Where are you on that scale? Right. Guts and humor is the essence of all selling, of all human dynamics in my mind, right? So, um, and I'm looking for a number there. And if there are five or less, I realize I got nothing, and we're going to, I'll just close the file and move on. If it's somewhere between a six and a nine, I'm going to say, what would you need to see or hear to be a 10? And if they're a 10, my big heavy-handed closes, what do you want me to do next? The last step in my process, after they have signed up, after they have bought, I now need to warn them about what could screw this up now. I hate having to give back, buy back a sale that I already made, right? So sometimes we lose a sale because the competitor calls back and says, please don't fire me. I'll do anything. I'll cut my price. I'll do whatever. And if we know that's going to be a problem, I want to fix it now. So I will say to the, to the prospect, now my client, do you think Jim's going to call? What do you think he's going to say? You think he's going to beg you to keep the business. How will you respond when he says that? I want to make people, I want to let people know about the future. What could happen in the future so they're prepared. 
reason I became aware of this, my mother asked her to switch investment guys about 10 years ago. She'd been with the same guy, a father's good friend for 35 years. He had them in very inappropriate investments. So I came in and looked and I said, we need to move your money somewhere else. And so she moved her money to a different wealth manager. What I didn't warn her about, nor did the new wealth manager, hey, do you think the old guy's going to call? Well, the old guy did call and he yelled at mom and said how stupid it was that she'd moved the money. And she was completely gobsmacked, caught off, and upset the hell out of her. She moved the money anyway. But if I had said, hey, mom, do you think so-and-so is going to call? She would have gone, oh, yeah. And I said, what do you think he's going to say? Well, he'll probably be mad. Well, how will you respond, mom? Well, tell him, hey, you did a great job, but it's time for me to move on to somebody that can help me at this stage of my life right now. She would have been prepared. And even if he didn't call, she would have been prepared. Another thing we need to warn people about is sometimes our onboarding process or our beginning is not perfect, right? Nothing that we sell is perfect. So one of the things I have to warn people like in my program is when we get started, you're not going to understand anything. We're going to start and you're going to go, what in the hell is this guy talking about? This doesn't make any sense. How and what is this thing? You're going to feel that way for about a month. Just know that's going to happen. And what I'll tell you is every time you feel that way, take one thing you've learned from class and try it one time. Do that and see what happens. And we get back together next week. We can go over it again and see what happens. And either you have a lesson where you say, okay, I must have the wrong tone of my voice when I ask that question. Or you say, wow, that worked. I got more information than I would have gotten otherwise. So there's your short answer. <laughs> to what the hell does my sales system sound like? Was that absolutely more than you want to hear? That was very thorough. Uh, just, just uh, <laughs> help me, help me break some of that apart in my mind. Give me like sure. one to three word summaries of of each of the seven actual sure. steps. Plan, plan ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Find out what everybody expects. Mm-hmm. Number three, see if you could find a problem. See if the guy will admit any guy or gal will admit any kind of a problem. After that, is how important is that problem for them to solve? Is there a personal compelling reason why they should solve it? Number next is, what's the budget? How much, how much money, time, and effort are they willing to spend? Next is, what's their decision-making process? Next is, are we still in agreement to say yes or no? After that, we're going to present. After that, we're going to make sure if they bought. After that, we're going to make sure we don't lose a sale after they bought it. So now you can edit out the last 30 minutes and just add that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the color is actually the value here, I think. Um, which ones of those, if any, would you say are unique for outside salespersons or have extra uh, gotchas in, involved for people that are in outside sales? So I think the one, so here's the one thing that I didn't know about that I learned about. That if somebody told me you can never do this again, I would leave sales and never do it again. And that's managing expectations. That is knowing is having upfront at the beginning of a sales call in any interaction, let's make sure we're all playing by the same set of rules. Let's negotiate now before we move forward instead of after you've had all my information and you've got all the leverage, right? So that, that to me is the, if an outside salesperson can get that, they can save a hell of a lot of time. Here's a simple version of that. If I do this for you, will you do this for me? If I'm okay driving to your plant in Illinois, are you okay having the right people in the room? If I'm okay sending you a proposal, 
when could I expect to hear back from you? Can we agree then if I hadn't heard back from you by then, we're going to consider it a no. Right? If I'm okay doing this for you, will you do this for me? Most of the time, salespeople, we see ourselves as subservient, right? We call it the golden rule, right? Who has the gold rules? And so I think that's bullshit. We're all the same. We've got, they have no right to drag us around. We have allowed people to drag us around. So I think the more that you can establish rules, equal business stature, we call it. And again, I can't dictate rules, but I can negotiate rules. I can't tell them what's going to happen, but I can say, do you mind if we do it this way? And if they say, no, I don't want to do it that way, then I can, as a business owner, because we're all CEO of our own business, I can decide, well, I don't want to play. That makes sense? Makes perfect sense. Yeah, I had a manager early in my career always said, make sure every time you give something, you get something. It's, it's Everything in sales yeah. has got to be a give to get. It's got to be a trade. Approach them as an equal. And I, and I think that's, uh, that, that speaks right to, right to what you're saying. So it's a good reminder. Um, tell me about onboarding a new salesperson on a team into such a rich sales system. Um, so the first thing that has to happen is like anything else, right? It's a sale. So somebody comes on board. So when they're in the interview process, because you have to understand we've got a sales process here that we follow. And a lot of companies have sales processes. So it's not an unusual thing, right? Um, but I need to tell, we do assessments on anybody, any of my clients that we onboard, we do assessments to show it's not personality, but their mindsets and their, their skills they've already developed. And so I, I will go over with them the assessment and say, here's some places you're really strong. Here's some areas where you need work. Here's some impacts that's probably causing so that they can go, oh, okay, I'm not perfect. And then we begin to, as we roll the system out to them, it's an ongoing process. We train every single week. Um, and with the manager, the managers have to be ahead of this and the managers hold people accountable to, you know, how does, um, you know, what, let's do the expectations this way. What was their pain? What was their budget? What was their decision? So what I, I have clients that come to my class, I've been working with for four five, six years that are, they're, they're refining, right? So the first part is just kind of getting it and understanding it. Big picture, I'd say, start with pre-plan your call and manage expectations. After that, we could begin to work on the next step and the next step and the next step. But it's something that even I refine all, I've been doing this 20 something years and I refine my system all the time. That makes sense at all? Yeah, absolutely. How do you identify when something needs to be refined? When I, um, it's a good question. When I find that I'm not getting the information I need to have or that I, or I hear something, or, ooh, that's better than what I had. But I continually, I'm somebody that likes to, once I figured out there's a system thing, I kind of geeked out on it because then I'm like, all right, this could be tighter. This could be, I could do this better. Or somebody asked me a question when my clients will come to me and say, hey, this happened. And I go, oh shit, I forgot about that. Let's add this to make it happen. And what I talk to people about is look, lightning, if lightning strikes you once, that's unfortunate right? If it strikes twice, we, we're doing something wrong. So if, so if something has come back to bite you in the sales process more than once, we probably need to do something to address it. We need to bring it up to the client. Hey, my biggest fear is that this is going to happen, or I work on a different way to close, something like that. Make sense? Absolutely. What happens if, if uh, you're onboarding and uh, you've tried to impress upon a new rep how important the sales system is. 
Yep. But but then maybe you when you audit your team or you look at the team, you find out that the sales system isn't being used as much as you'd like. I think this is a common challenge people run Absolutely. into when they're running sales teams or after you've implemented one. How, what do you what do you do as a sales manager? Well, ultimately, the system's not as important as the results. Right. So if somebody isn't following my sales system and they're beating the hell out of the quota, then I'm not going to beat the hell out of them. Usually the reason somebody goes back to us, it, it should be a self-subscribing thing where uh, what a lot of times what we stop is free consulting. So if somebody's tired of flying across the country and giving proposals that don't turn into work, that don't turn into paid business, then they're going to go, hmm, maybe I'm doing this wrong. What can I do better? Right. As a manager, if somebody's not giving me results, right, the first thing I want to begin to manage is what's their behavior? How many calls are they making? How many meetings are they setting? So great question. Right. So there are three pieces to success. There's the people's actions. Right. What are they doing on a regular basis to grow their business? Number two, their attitudes. What are their beliefs about themselves, the company, the marketplace? And the third thing is what is their approach? And the approach is the system and the process is the tactics. I will tell you that if I have a salesperson that is a gorilla, kick-ass at, at uh, behavior, and maybe they're not following my system so well, I would take 10 of those over somebody that's great at the system who doesn't make prospecting calls. So the system itself is just a track to follow on. But if somebody's great at doing behavior and they can set appointments and make sales, more power to them. Next part of the podcast is uh, sales in 60 seconds. So short questions, short answers. Um, yes. First question, what's the most important part of a sales system? The most important part of a sales system in my mind is that you are providing transparency and clarity and truth between you and your prospect. That, that everything is, um, that, that, that you're laying out up front. Um, with no nothing hidden, what it is you plan to do. And that to me is the value of a sales system because you know. So you lay it out. Great. And what's the biggest mistake that sales leaders make when creating a sales system? Um, one, that they look at it as a script and that everybody needs to say exactly the same thing. Um, number two, I think sometimes they make it uh, too complicated. Um, and, uh, and they're unrealistic in how it can be used. Name for me what essential trait you think is uh, key to success in sales. Uh, essential trait, um, number one, is their um, willingness to, um, willing to do the work. Right to recognize, but I also think it's your another key thing is that your goal is to understand people, and that you're good at understanding people and getting their opinions, as opposed to sharing your own. So I feel like it's a um, if if you are good at understanding people and have a process that you can follow to get the information you need, I feel like that's that's the key. We can teach everything else. How can salespeople get rid of? bad habits that might get in the way of selling or might mess up their their uh, sales process? So it's hard. Um, one of the first things they have to do is recognize that it's bad and how it harms them. 
have to see and be able to say to themselves, if I keep doing this, then this is going to happen. And that's an unacceptable thing, right? They got to find their own pain. Problem consequences and the personal impacts on themselves. Um, and then I think it's take it. It's like a little bit like AA, right? One, I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> I'm going to do this instead. I think journaling can help, but ultimately it's having the um, discipline to do thing, do something, to block the time to make the calls, to do the, to watch yourself, to be self-aware. As a actionable takeaway, what should the field salespeople listening today do as a first step towards getting started on a, a on a sales system? Um, well, I think the first thing they need to do is to begin is to recognize or I gave the four points of the buyer's process. So what are the things, if you recognize those and those do happen, if those do happen in your industry, if you figure out they do, then you got to figure out, all right, what do I, what do I need to do to be better than that? What do I need to do to put myself on equal footing? The first thing is your willingness to walk away. As soon as you realize you have equal business stature and you have an, a, just as much right to walk away as the other person, as your prospect does, that kind of changes everything. Um, and the reason, the only way that we could have that kind of um, strength is by having a strong pipeline. So the stronger your pipeline is, the more braver you can be and the more equal business stature you can achieve. All right, well, I'm gonna to try to summarize the, all the different things you've taught us here on this, uh, on this podcast today. First of all, um, a sales system is a process that you follow all the way through your sales funnel. Yep. Sales processes help salespeople save time and gain the right customers. And a sales process will help salespeople qualify and disqualify leads. If salespeople yes. don't follow a system, they become more emotional than the prospect is, and they often can lose control of the deal. Salespeople need to know the buyer process before moving onto the sales system. So uh, here, here's, uh, here's Walker's sales system. Um, kind of broken down. So first is a pre-call plan. Then there's managing expectations. There's finding a problem. There's knowing how important the problem is. There's learning the budget and uh, what are the resources that the, the, the prospect can put into the deal. There's understanding the prospect's decision-making process. There's getting to a yes or no. There's presenting how you can solve the problem. And there's making sure that that the customer buys, and if they did buy, making sure they stay a customer. And that's kind of the, uh, the overarching uh, sales process that, that Walker lays out, or sales system that Walker's, Walker lays out. So uh, another point that he made was when onboarding a sales team um, onto a new sales system, make sure you make them understand why it's important and work to refine the system so that it fits the team. And if a salesperson isn't getting the results that one would hope, check their actions, check their attitude, and check their approach. Walker, this has been so valuable. Um, tell me, where can listeners read more about your work? How can they reach out to you to, to learn more about you and, and, and touch base with you? Sure. I'm on, uh, I'm on all the social channels. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. 
Um, I spend some time there. I'm also on Twitter. That's where I have more fun. But LinkedIn's where I post videos. I post articles, um, that kind of stuff, probably three or four times a week. I also have a website, Walker at Walker. Well, it's walkermckay.com, where I've got um, information about a, uh, a course that I've done um, that's available for sale. Um, and I have, um, so that's information. And on some classes I teach, and, and that's how to get in touch with me as well, to set an appointment to have a brief conversation, see if we can help each other. Fantastic. Well, this has been a great episode of the Outside Sales Talk. If you work in field sales, you'll love Badger Map, the number one route planner that helps you sell 20% more and drive 20% less. You can get a free trial at badgermapping.com today. If anyone can think of any other sales reps that would benefit from learning the stuff that Walker taught us about today, share the love and forward this on to them. Take care until next time, everybody.